Coming up on Studios America, I abduct comedian Andrew Heaton for some conversation on UFOs. Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell swings in to predict if Ron DeSantis' star in Florida will keep rising. And our evolving technological world is constantly vulnerable to new ways for bad actors and foreign hacker hackers to go after us. Is there anything we can do before we're hit by the big one? Let's do cyber attacks. Stu does America. <sighs> what a crazy world we live in. It's really getting nuttier and nuttier every single day. Uh, we have a situation uh, with cyber attacks. The cyber, as our former president used to refer to it. And it seems to be escalating here now that Joe Biden has taken over. It's almost as if foreign actors are not exactly scared of him. Uh, let me give you the response, and this is a bizarre response from Jen Psaki as she was asked about the increasing problem. These hackers based in Russia have disrupted American gas supplies and American meat supplies. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that these ransomware attacks have been rising since President Biden took office? Well, first, I would say these are private sector entities uh, who have a responsibility to put in place measures to protect their own cybersecurity. As it relates to why criminal actors are taking actions against private sector entities, I don't think I'm the right one to speak to that. So total coincidence. I think you could certainly go track down those uh, cyber criminals in Russia and have a, a good chat with them. Okay. If you have any leads, we'll take that. Okay. Uh <laughs> okay. I just... It's hard for me to understand this position by the Biden White House. Private sector entities are being hacked and therefore they are responsible for their own cybersecurity. We're not going to really do anything, seems to be the position of our government. Now, there's something to this at its core. Uh, if you own a McDonald's, uh, it's your responsibility to lock it up and set the alarm. If you just left the doors open all night and, and you'd expect it to be stolen or have stuff stolen out of your business and, and no one would feel all that bad for you. So yes, at some level, you have to take steps to protect your own business. However, once a crime is committed, the government is supposed to be there to help hold the people responsible that actually committed the crime. If you if you have a McDonald's and you lock your door and you do your basics and someone breaks in and steals stuff, then the government does help, right? It's not the government, it's not the uh, private sector entity's job to go hunt down the criminal and hold them responsible. That's not how this works. The same thing here with these attacks. If, if the Russian military came in and bombed a McDonald's, would the Biden administration say, well, look, it's a private sector entity. What are you gonna do? Sorry about that explosion the, you know, I think the, the, the clown himself should go over there to Russia and have a nice conversation with the bombers. This seems like a test. It seems like uh, the particularly Russia, but China's been involved in some of this as well, coming over here and testing to see what the metal of, of this country is. Joe Biden was also asked about whether Putin was testing him. We're looking closely at that issue. Do you think Putin is testing you? Now, they weren't quite as interested in his ice cream uh, as his ice cream flavors from the other day, but they at least asked the question. I don't know that his answer really uh, did much for me, though. It does feel, though, like we're in a strange time. It feels like cyber attacks are following a familiar pattern. 
For years, people talked about the threat of a hurricane destroying the levees in New Orleans. We did a show on it almost a year to the day before Katrina hit. People knew about that threat, but they didn't feel like it was going to take over their lives until it did. For years, there was a threat from Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. We did a show about it three years before 9-11. And we talked about bodies being on the streets of New York City in 1998. It was a threat. Sure, it wasn't like we were coming up with magical information. We weren't going and interviewing terrorists ourselves. People knew about Al-Qaeda, but it didn't feel like something that was going to take over our lives until it did. For years, there was a known threat that a pandemic would eventually ravage the globe. We've talked about it a million times, but it never felt really like society could just shut down for a year. I remember thinking a shutdown seemed impossible even when China was doing it to its own people. It's not going to happen in America, but here we are. I can't help thinking that this cyber attack situation is the same thing. We're all aware of this threat. We've probably had a password or two appear in one of the data hacks. I had someone hack into my email and attempt to sell electronics to everyone I had ever emailed in very broken English. But at some point, one of these hacks might just change the world we live in. Maybe it's a massive attack on a bank's website or something that wipes out everyone's balance. Maybe it's a massive attack on the power grid that turns off the juice for a week, two weeks, a month or more. Maybe a massive attack results in a full cloud burst. What's a cloud burst? At its craziest, picture every email, every photo, every message, every search you have ever conducted, all available on the internet for everyone to see, for everyone, all at once. What would that do to society? The truth is, we all know this is a threat. We all know at some point something huge is going to happen to us. And we all know that we're not doing enough to prepare for it. And sadly, we all know that the one way we seem to deal with these major threats is to wait until something terrible happens and then rush to catch up. Let's just hope we don't wait too long. Are you trying to buy or sell a home right now? If you are, you know the market's going crazy. There's a lot to pay attention to. You need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. Uh, you know, I'm having uh, some repairs done to a house uh, that we're in the middle of selling. And you need an agent who's going to know how to take control. I, I'm busy. I'm, I'm blabbering and doing this stupid show all the time. I need someone who's going to be in like, hey, here's the thing that needs to be fixed. This you don't need to do, but this you need to fix. Here's the person who can do it. I can take care of it if you want. That's the type of agent you need on your team. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to get more information on the real estate agent in your area that can make your biggest financial transaction a success instead of a miserable failure. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. So happy to welcome back to the program Andrew Heaton. He's the host of the excellent podcast, The Political Orphanage, uh, to be sure to subscribe to that as soon as you can, as well as alienating the audience. He's got multiple podcasts out there. And Andrew joins us now. Andrew, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's good to see you, Stu. Thank you for having me back. Very, very, very nice to see you, too, in a very luxurious 
uh, library situation you have there. Thank you. It, it is definitely not a backdrop. This is definitely not taking place in my bedroom. It's taking place in my very august murder mystery style library that mm. I have in my mansion. Right. For sure. Okay, that's what I thought. I, that, that's the, that's the one I, I, I thought. Um, I wanted to come to you, Andrew, because I'm trying to understand something and I can't understand it. And I, it's, it's, it's a very bizarre turn of events here. And, and, and the, the topic for me here is UFOs. Now, Great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed because I keep seeing what appears to me to be credible reports where it's from places like 60 Minutes, right? Where they're doing extensive reviews on what they are claiming is real evidence of UFOs. But at the same time, I have this like pulling suspicion that if they really knew there were UFOs out there, that it would be a much bigger story and not be like a kicker thing at the end of a 60 Minutes episode. What is the truth here? You're, you're thinking that if aliens visited the White House, that would be more important than whether or not we're going to do $10,000 worth of student loan forgiveness within a $1.9 trillion omnibus spending bill? That, that, that's kind of what you're thinking, that it would eclipse that? Yeah, fair enough. So I think there's two things happening. Um, first, CNN and these other outlets that you mentioned, the New York Times and, and uh, a lot of different television programs, they're being accurate when they say that they have real evidence of UFOs. That is 100% correct. Part of the confusion that's happening with all of this, though, is that when the Air Force says UFO, they mean a mystery thing in the sky. That's mm -hmm. what they mean. There's mm -hmm. a thing in the sky. We're not sure what it is. We're going to call it an unidentified flying object. In regular parlance that you use just with your friends or over at Smokey Joe's, UFO means spaceship. And right. these are not the same things. So that's part of the problem right there is that there are unidentified objects in the sky. Uh, the Air Force has admitted that. The Navy, I think, has admitted that as well. Uh, so we, we know that there are things that are in our airspace we can't spot. It's not the same thing as a spaceship. Right. And, and, and that makes sense. And that's why you kind of hear these like uh, theories and they even said it in the 60 minutes report. Okay. Well, maybe it's a, uh, it's a foreign uh, military or maybe it's one of our uh, military crafts because they keep saying that these things are doing uh, aerial maneuvers that we are not familiar with, that we do not believe could be done with our normal technology, that we're not seeing thrust coming out of the sides of them. They're going at speeds that are in excess of anything that we've ever detected before. How is this explained? Uh, yeah, and I think the people that are saying that are, are being honest when, when pi fighter pilots say that. So like the, the famous thing that happened here a few years ago is the, the so-called tic-tac footage, the, the, the Fravor footage. Um, pilots are out and they see something that might be the size of a football or a basketball or I don't know, the size of a helicopter. And it's going at these crazy speeds back and forth. And they know that that is nothing within the fleet of existent equipment within the U.S. arsenal within the existent equipment that we know of. But I, I think if you were to jump back in time, let's say 30 years, and a pilot saw something that went at supersonic speeds that didn't show up on radar, that looked like a black triangle, they could equally honestly say, we don't have any vehicle like that that we're aware of within the U.S. arsenal. Because at that time, the stealth bomber was still under development. It had not been released to the public. It had not been disclosed yet. And I think it's probably something very similar to that, where the U.S. military is testing out some really gnarly drones right now that can do crazy stuff because you, your head would explode if you're inside of it. But as it is, it can go at really, really crazy rates. I think it's our military specifically, because I think that if I were testing out our equipment, 
I would do it on our own Air Force bases. I could, one, see how ready we are for any type of foreign threat. But two, if it exploded, if it crashed into something, it wouldn't cause an international incident. And it wouldn't also risk losing that technology to a malignant power. So I think it's much more likely ours than it is that Russia or China has developed superior aerial technology. And I think it's much, much more likely than aliens have come to Earth. It would be really weird if China was like, we have this really cool technology. Let's just do buzz. You know, we'll just fly by uh, the United States of America so they can catch us on camera over and over again. That would be a, a strange uh, maneuver. Um, I, that, that said, I would I would love it if China's foreign policy became more about trolling other countries than <laughs> stepping on Taiwan and Hong Kong. Yes. That would be an incredible development <laughs> for them. I, I wish them the best of luck if that is the case. That would be good. I, they, they've done some things I'm a little, I've questioned uh, recently. Over the past year or so, some of their actions have not worked out particularly well. Well, don't, don't do that out loud in Hong Kong. No, don't do that. Um, one of the things they do on these UFO reports is they show you the resumes of these guys who are saying, hey, you know, we saw these UFOs and they I don't see how they can even be uh, anything we're, we're, we're ready for or used to here in, in the United States. And, and they have good resumes and they seem like rational people. But like I, I throw myself back to kind of the covid era here where like you'll find a guy with like a very long resume and, and all these institutions and like, all you got to do is take vitamin R and it'll just go away. And you're like, okay, well maybe, I mean, are these people who are saying these things on CNN, are they credible people? Uh, generally, yes. I mean, it depends on who you're talking about. So I, I don't know everybody that's in the, the CNN cavalcade, but let's take, for example, somebody that was making the rounds here about four years ago named Chris Mellon. Uh, Chris Mellon is a former Pentagon official. He was, I think, third highest ranking in terms of military intelligence at the Pentagon. So he's he's a guy in the know. He looks like a guy that owns 40 identical neckties, all of which are constantly, <laughs> you know, ironed and creased. He seems like a very reputable dude. Mm -hmm. There are people like that. However, I, the, the, the two things that need to be pointed out there are, one, when Chris Mellon says, uh, I, as a former Air Force official, uh, am happy to report that there are unidentified flying objects, he means very explicitly the Air Force cannot tell you what that thing in the sky was we right. saw, not that there's aliens. The, the second part to that, too, is I've watched a lot of these interviews with folks you're talking about, and they are very careful with their words in a way that I find strategically ambiguous. So usually towards the end of the interview, one of the, one of the pundits or journalists will go, okay, 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 so are there aliens? And then at that point, they'll go, well, I can't conform or deny anything. But what I can say is that the United States doesn't have technology like that that I'm aware of. And so it has to be something other than that. And the the we, we can draw our own conclusions from that. But they never come out right and say, yeah, we got three bodies at Area 51, like a lightning bolt struck an alien ship. They never, ever, ever say that. And they basically allow us to infer all of that information. And the reason for that, I think, this is where I put my conspiracy hat on, is because they're promoting a History Channel program. That's what all of this boils down to, is mm. whenever you watch these things on CNN or Fox and Friends, because they, they do the rounds, ask yourself, why are they here? Because they're usually retired officials. They're not there in any official capacity on behalf of the government. They're just there as dudes. And usually at some point, they'll mention, by the way, I happen to be a consultant on this History Channel program about aliens. Because the History Channel has the best PR campaign in the history of America. And Tom DeLonge, who is the former drum, uh, former bassist or drummer for Blink-182, lifelong paranormal enthusiast, 
uh, he's kind of set up all this stuff and he's he's brought on these former Pentagon officials to become consultants for the show. And then they get pushed out onto all of these different media outlets and use ambiguous language. And it lets everybody have these great talking moments about how aliens might be around the corner. It is interesting with the History Channel in that, like, whenever I see something's on the History Channel, like, my mind jumps to, oh, it's just Encyclopedia Britannica. This is absolute fact. And that's not really what they do all the time. A lot of their stuff is totally legitimately historically backed up, but there's also a lot of, like, reaching uh, for programming, I I think, at times. I haven't actually watched the History Channel in about 10 years, but as I recall, the progression of the History Channel went from like circa 2000, it was actually doing history, and then it was only doing Hitler, (laughs) and then it went from only doing Hitler to doing like paranormal stuff, and then somehow it got into pawn shops, and pawn shops (laughs) are the main thing it does. So actually, the fact that it's going back to aliens is a step in the right direction, but it's not necessarily something that we could verify as like, you know, done deal history. All right, about 30 seconds left, Andrew. Um, I know you're a big sci-fi fan. You're a big movie fan. Have you been back to the theaters yet? Are you excited about getting back out there? Uh, I would love to do that. I actually haven't been back to the theaters, but it's mostly just because I bought an Oculus Quest and I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> but I really should. I would I would love to go do that. And I'm, I'm vaxxed up and happy to uh, go to movies and make out with strangers again, as per usual. Okay, they're not necessarily happy with that, but I'm glad that you are. Uh, Andrew Heaton, his podcast is The Political Orphanage. You can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Also, Alienating the Audience is out there as well. If you, if you like to hear about aliens and sci-fi, uh-huh. you can go there as well. Andrew, uh, great to see you, man. And And thanks so much for coming on. Good to see you, too. Goodbye. If you're trying to stay fit and healthy, you probably discovered that uh, by now, as I have, it can be a, a little difficult, mainly because there's so much good food out there and you don't get to eat any of it. That's why Built Bar is fantastic. Built Bar is here. They're about to change the way you think about protein bars. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in carbs. And like, you know, if you're on like keto or whatever, you can eat these things. They have real chocolate on them and they have an amazing list of flavors. My wife just got the birthday cake one and the grasshopper cookie is coming out now. They have caramel brownie, uh, indulgent chocolate flavors, fruit flavors, all sorts of stuff. BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Use the promo code STU15. You'll save 15% off your next order. The promo code is STU15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com. So let me tell you a little bit about some pure evil out there. Uh, The NFL is, if you remember, they had this concussion uh, situation, signed a massive deal with the NFL Players Association, where I think it was like a billion dollars they were awarding to players who, you know, because of hard hits they took on the field, maybe having some cognitive issues. This was uh, signed off by the NFL and signed off by the Players Association, and they, they agreed to this. Ever since they agreed to it, like, I feel like the day after, the whole story has been how does the NFLPA, the Players Association, open this up to get more money out of the NFL? It's kind of it's been this like it's an agreement that was not an agreement seemingly. Now there is a new development. The NFL is now going to end its controversial race norming practice. Um, this basically it's an ugly sort of idea, but the concept being that what they'll do is. If they're trying to find like a lowering an IQ based on these hits, they will do average IQ of each race and then figure out how much the drop off was to determine how big the payment should be. Kind of makes sense in some ways, I guess. At least it used to make sense to scientists. Um, It was in the agreement. The Players Association agreed to it. 
But now players are like, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> because you're going to give me less money because I'm black, because that's essentially how the program reportedly worked. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just treat people as individuals. I don't, maybe don't group them in race and try to do that sort of thing, but that's what they were doing. Um, it is a little bit weird that the people who negotiated this contract for the Players Association are that upset about it uh, because, you know, they agreed to it. But it does seem to me to be a, a silly way of looking at things. Though, uh, you know, in some other scientific areas outside of cognitive abilities, there might be some use to this practice. Here, it doesn't make much sense uh, to me. Uh, also, The Bachelor in Paradise, I have to hit you with this because I did a monologue a while ago about um, The Bachelor uh, and Chris Harrison, the guy who got uh, maybe the most pure example of cancel culture uh, ever conceived of. He just said, we should have some grace for, for one of these female contestants for something they did previously, and he was fired for it. I mean, it's insanity. Uh, they are now taking, they're getting rid of Chris Harrison. He's done. His career's over, life ruined, all that fun stuff. They're replacing him with David Spade, the comedian, who has said things that are 500,000 times as offensive as anything Chris Harrison has ever said. Now, I, I like David Spade. He's fine. I, I don't want him to be criticized for the things he's said in the past. But this standard makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Chris Harrison did absolutely nothing wrong. And if you're going to judge Harrison on those words, you judge Spade much more harshly. None of this makes sense. It was designed to not make sense. Back in a second. Are you buying or selling a home or maybe getting a new credit card, maybe going for a new job? Your credit score needs to be up to snuff. Did you know that the average American has 97 points they could add to their credit score, but no idea how to get them? And maybe not no idea, right? We know how to get your credit score up. Just spend multiple years paying your bills on time. Get that credit knocked down. Don't do anything wrong, God forbid. Well, the, the data scientists over at Scoremaster said, well, sure, you should do that stuff, but let me, uh, let me help you out with something else here. Let's add... 97 points to your credit score. Let's add 65 points to your credit score. Let's add 30 points to your credit score. They know how to do this because they've reverse engineered the algorithms from the credit uh, uh, reporting agencies. So they know how to get your score up. And it does make a difference. Maybe it's making a, a payment a week early. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's paying a little bit over that minimum. Whatever that is, they know how to walk you through that process and get your credit score where it should be. Go to scoremaster.com. Uh, scoremaster.com uh, is the place to go. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Check it out. I was making the case earlier this week that it feels like we've turned that corner and it's like back to normal times a little bit. I, you know, I, I saw a, a Quiet Place Part 2 this past weekend. You know, first kind of $100 million movie weekend since the pandemic began. We sort of turned that corner. People are starting to travel again. Things are actually happening out there. Uh, let me welcome in uh, Jason Buttrell. He's the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Uh, of course, all of the Glenn Beck adjacent projects he's involved in. If you haven't already, be sure to catch uh, Glenn's special from yesterday, uh, Glenn, uh, Golden State Gulag, California's Pursuit of Communism is a Warning for America. You can find it on Blaze TV and Glenn's YouTube page as well. Jason, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I started with the, uh, with the travel thing because you kind of just like, I, I don't know, 
This stuff doesn't seem normal uh, because of what we've gone through over the past year, but you just decided to take like a random motorcycle trip. Yeah, this weekend. On the Doge cycle. What's on the Doge cycle, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Bought and paid for by Doge. Yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, it was funny on Sunday. Uh, so Glenn, Glenn interviewed uh, last week on Friday this guy named Adam Sandoval. Mm. And uh, I just stumbled across his YouTube page, but he's a YouTuber that um, several years ago, he decided to sell everything he owns and uh, travel to every single Harley Davidson uh, store in the lower 48. Mm. Um, tens of thousands of miles back and forth across the United States and zigzagging all over the place. But it was all to raise uh, money for veterans. And it was just a crazy cool story and he still does it. In fact, he, he uh, owns a campground in southeastern Oklahoma where he still does stuff for veterans all the time. Mm. In fact, he's got these nice cabins that cost like 300 bucks a night. And uh, he, rent, he rents those out to, you know, to people that aren't veterans, but veterans, he lets them just stay for free. Wow. So it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you live like a king out there. And uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, if you ever come, come on down, check it out. And I was like, screw it. So on Sunday, <laughs> my wife and I just jumped on my bike and took off. It was like three hours up, up there. And um, you're right. It was when we got there, there was no sense that anything was ever different at all. Mm. But you're talking about, it's funny, you're talking about the biker community and talking about like hardcore campers. And uh, I felt right at home up there. It, yeah. was, it, was, it was amazing. No one was talking about coronavirus. No one was talking about any kind of lockdown. There wasn't a mask inside. It was beautiful. There might have yeah. been a few mask bonfires around. Yeah. Life. I don't know. It's satisfying. <laughs> I feel like we're actually getting there, you know? Yeah. It feels like, because, you know, it's easy for us to say it, I think, in Texas and in Florida. And, you know, if you're in South Dakota, you've probably felt relatively normal this whole time. But, like, there's a lot of people in these blue states who don't feel this way. I mean, you know, we have a friend, a guy who was on the show last, uh, the other night, Dan Andros, who lives in Pennsylvania. And every time I talk to him, I'm like, ah, it just feels really normal. He's like, it doesn't feel normal to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it really is. There's a lot of conservatives who live in blue states who are not feeling uh, normal at all yet. But I think we've crossed that. We, we've turned that corner now. I think we're on, you know, we're on the right path here. People seem less scared of, uh, yeah. from what I've noticed. Even after, like, we lifted the mask mandates and the restrictions here, mm -hmm. there was still that apprehension that you could feel. Yeah. Um, there's still people wearing masks. Mm -hmm. But now it's not, it's not like everyone's wearing masks. But now it's like I'm more inclined, like to think that, oh, well, they probably really need to wear a mask. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm not as bitter as I was before. Like, we're all being made and forced to do this. <laughs> right. It's okay if people choose to do it. For I don't sure. care. Yeah. They have their own reasons. Yeah. And that's the way it should have been from the, from the beginning. From, from the, the very beginning. beginning. And by the way, uh, New York Times even wrote something up the other day saying that uh, since the mask mandate was lifted, cases are down 70 some odd percent, 90% yeah. from the peaks. Uh, it does seem like that all worked out fine. It was not Neanderthal thinking, yeah. apparently. Um, that, which brings me to Greg Abbott. Now, Greg Abbott is our governor here in Texas. Yes. And uh, he did lift uh, the mask mandates um, uh, a couple, you know, what was it, a couple months ago now. He did not get the um, crazy, terrible repercussions that were predicted by the left and the media like crazy. They did do that. Um, Abbott was on the show the other day. He got endorsed by Donald Trump for to be governor. What do you think about it? Um, a few things. Mm -hmm. Man, I hope I don't piss off a lot of people right now. <laughs> Probably will. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I was very disappointed in Governor Abbott mm. because for the longest time, you know, it's like, let's go back to the NFL. 
I watched the NBA, even though it was far worse with their social justice crap, yeah. than watching the NFL. Because why? Because the NFL, it was very close to my heart. It hurt worse that they were going right. that way. Okay, yeah, sure. So sure. I said, screw you, NFL. Boycotted it and watched the NBA, which seems ludicrous. But anyway, it just, it just yes, hurt worse. it does seem ludicrous. Now, it hurts. I'm so pissed off at Governor Abbott right now because it hurts worse. Like, I always mm. thought he was one of the last bastions of you know, politicians that believed in true freedom. And then this whole mask thing, the, the lockdown stuff, I... I it just made absolutely no sense to me that he was giving into this. Yeah. And it seemed like it was off of fear. It really did. It seemed like it was off of fear. We weren't going off of data really at that point. No. It was I... just off of fear. It wasn't off of liberty and what this country stands for. And then as he kept doing that, you saw really one other governor in the state or in the country that was leading on freedom. And that was Governor DeSantis out in Florida. And at this point, I think that Donald Trump actually is scared of uh, Ron DeSantis. I mm. think he's absolutely terrified of him because I do think Trump's going to run again. And I think DeSantis right now, I mean, if you're looking at just policy and who should lead the party into the future, it's, to me, it clearly seems it's Ron DeSantis. And all the other governors that we think are, you know, all about freedom and liberty, uh, Christy Nome, she mm. disappointed us. Uh, why? Because she got scared. She probably got she got scared by special interests and, and organizations like and the NCAA. Are you referring to the uh, the, the whole rule around transgender yes. athletes? Uh, yeah, she, she was kind of beat up a little bit by conservatives on that. But but, but it's like it's, it's like what they're doing is they're, they're they're waiting. It seems like right now they're all waiting. Like they they know in their heart what they should do, mm -hmm. right? Um, but now they're waiting to see what Ron DeSantis does. <laughs> this is a, Doesn't it seem like it? it's like it's no, like. Oh, you're right. I mean, I you know, I uh, Chad Prather says the same thing. Of course, he's running against uh, Governor Abbott. And that's one of his criticisms of Abbott is he basically waits for Ron DeSantis to do something and then he does it. <laughs> so let me let me push back a little bit here. Yes, there was a mask mandate in Texas. There was also a mask mandate mandate in Florida. I mean, DeSantis did lift it faster, uh, but he also had a mask mandate. Um, I don't think, and I've said this on the air a million times now, so if, if it's not true, I'd be very surprised. But I don't think there was ever one fine levied by the state on this mask mandate. It was there. It was not enforced, really. I mean, I, you know, you had some local communities that did some of that. But as far as the state actual mandate goes, it was not enforced. The lockdowns, he, I went out to dinner here in, on May 1st of 2020. I went out to dinner in Texas. The six weeks, uh, that two weeks to stop the spread, which turned into six weeks to stop, top, stop the spread, was not announced by Governor Cuomo or Governor Newsom or Governor Abbott or Anthony Fauci. It was announced by Donald Trump. You know, I feel like DeSantis is getting a lot of press right now from the conservative side. Is is that entirely fair that he gets the benefit over a Christy Nome or a Greg Abbott? Well, I, I think so. You are right in the fact that he was doing what everyone else was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to I'm not I'm really not willing to give him a full and total pass mm -hmm. on uh, kind of giving in like everyone else gave in. Sure. And because if you're if you're, if you're going, it, it's 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 great to say I, I want to just completely go off of my principle and liberty and everything else. But people were scared to death at that point. Mm -hmm. So I can I can I early on, you can give a little bit of a pass, a little bit of a pass, yeah. not a full pass, yep. but I can give them a little bit of a pass. My I guess my biggest issue, my biggest praise for him now and my biggest you know, criticism of people like Christy Nome and, and uh, Governor Abbott now mm -hmm. is that it seems like they're still ruled by that fear. So uh, granted, they were all scared back then, but it seems like now they're, they're just so worried, not only just of uh, political blowback within their own states, but 
the president, uh, President Biden, you know, calling them Neanderthals or whatever. Like DeSantis is was almost like he just was sitting there, uh, you know, with his, you know, while every while everyone was telling him, you know, that uh, they should keep the restrictions, keep the masks, all that stuff. It was vital for everyone's health and all the like the transgender stuff, all that. He was just sitting there in his office with his full sleeve tattoos, puffing on a cigarette and said, screw you. Yeah, I don't re- I don't care what your criticism is. I don't care if you're going to. You know, criticize me in the media from your pulpit, your bully pulpit, everything. I do not care. And uh, did you see what he said to the NCAA? Was it like this week? He was basically like, "Okay, fine. You you have a problem with what we're doing in my state? Let's see if you uh, or let's see how you like not having any of your events." Now it's state. a lot easier to challenge the NCAA when you're Florida instead of South Dakota. But I agree with you. It shouldn't matter. I mean, it, right. it shouldn't matter because um, Florida they need. They don't. I, you know, no offense to South Dakota, they <laughs> don't need you. Uh, the NCAA does not need you. Um, so. Let me, and here's here's my hesitancy on, on DeSantis, and I, I, I've struggled with this a little bit on the air. I've just been down this road so many times. If you would go back to 2010, you would find the same level of DeSantis excitement over Chris Christie, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the conservatives tend to fall head over heels in love with a guy or a lady, and sometimes I feel like the details aren't fleshed out enough. Like with DeSantis, I like a lot of the things he's done and I've given him a lot of credit. I think he's done a good job throughout the COVID situation. But like, is he going the other way? Where you're saying like he's, you know, some of these governors are fearful and they're backing down from these rules. DeSantis seems to be just looking on Twitter and seeing what's trending and passing a law on it. Like, you know, the big tech thing he passed with a carve out to Disney, which was a blatant carve out for Disney, <laughs> is not going to hold up in court. It is is a political commercial for him to be able to say, I did something about big tech and they turned it, they overturned it. And we need to, I need to be president so I can make sure we do something about that. Like. I feel like a lot of this, he seems to be playing to conservative media, smart politics, but I'm a little, I'm feeling a little weird about it. Yeah, no, I get you. It's a valid point. And I, I think that we're in this, um, I, th- I think one of the greatest things that Trump brought the GOP, um, it's not fiscal policy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, one of the greatest things is that, you know, you guys talking conservatives, conservatives, Republicans, whatever, you don't have to sit there and take it. Like you can get a little nasty. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. fight back, whether it's on social media, whether it's in the, you know, wh- whether it's at the ballot, whether whatever. Right. You don't have to sit there and take it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Governor DeSantis is sitting in that post-Trump world of that kind of awakening mm-hmm. and he's taking full advantage of it. Yes. Um, and that's what people want to see right now. That even even from, you know, the, the last four years of the Trump administration, the GOP was ballless. They were absolutely ballless. Right now, they're talking about being fiscally responsible. Like, oh, that's that's one trillion too much. <laughs> yeah. Shut up! I know, you on. didn't care the past four years. You weren't gathering up a coalition to you know to fight back against the budget. You no. didn't care. No. You, now you no. care. I remember it was the same during the Obama administration. They were like, oh, yeah, what about these unfunded liabilities? You don't even know what that means. <laughs> Shut up. You're just saying it because some think tank, probably the Heritage Foundation, said you should probably talk about this. But none of them cared. I think that's very true. And I think that's a problem, though, right? I mean, I, and I wonder sometimes, if, do we get too deep into... Because I think what, like, what people like about DeSantis, I think you totally nailed it. It's what they liked about Giuliani. It's what they liked about Christie, yeah. right? Uh, now... DeSantis is much better on policy than Chris Christie uh, was. But they liked the fact that they'd fight with the media. They liked the fact that they wouldn't back down. They liked the fact that they'd step up and say, screw you guys. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of the, 
the good conservative changes over the years have come from somewhat boring po policies that you know, maybe weren't the top of everybody's Twitter feed at the time. You know, that, that stuff is important, too. Yeah, um, I guess I'm some of the one of the nerds because, you know, the, yeah, you know, you're a farm bill. Guy. I am a farm bill. Guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, some of the I mean, so a lot of the great policies that came out of the Reagan administration were not sexy. They, yeah. were, they were based off of lectures by Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell, mm -hmm. um, which would put a normal person to sleep, probably. But to me, I was like, <laughs> you know, when I was like a teenager, I'm like, well, this is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not cool mm -hmm. at all. But no, y you are right. I mean, it, it, what's so weird is y it's almost impossible to have those intellectual conversations anymore. It seems like the only thing that drives catalyst, you know, the, the only catalyst for change now is a, a fight on Twitter. Yeah. Or a fight between a CNN anchor. Or and, a documentary. Like, you know, that's how, that's how all these guys, like, you know, Michael Jackson was abusing all these kids. We didn't think about it until there was this documentary. Yeah. R. Kelly. Like, those are the only two things to do. It's got to be a documentary or a tweet. It's the only thing that keeps people's attention. But you yeah. ever watch some of those, just YouTube, if you're watching this, YouTube, uh, uh, the conversations that Milton Freeman and Thomas Sowell would have oh, yeah. at universities, right? So you'd have all of these, like, hippies coming up and asking them these questions with the clear purpose of just trying to slam them, yeah. right? And they would just sit there very calmly, just talk to them, say, okay, this is why, that's a great point, this is why you're wrong, mm -hmm. blah, 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 this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah. And by the end, you would have this hippie taking off his bell bottoms and cutting his hair, yeah. like straight up. It's like, that doesn't happen today. No, it's just amazing. It doesn't. I mean, that's persuasion, too. I mean, I, that's a really important part of this. Uh, before we go, we have a couple more minutes. I want to talk to you about this hack that went on with the meat processing uh, plant. I kind of heard this, and you know, we've heard a lot of these hack stories. Why is this one important? So this this is the JBS meatpacking plant, uh, which they are one of the top four meatpackers, and so together, all four of them account for about eighty percent wow. of our beef supply. Mm. Um, they have the ability within their fingers to pr almost make it impossible for you to buy meat. Really, that I mean, if they if they slow production, you know, slow down uh, um, uh, processing production, whatever, it, they can drive prices up. They mm -hmm. can take them down. It's insane. It's like a cartel almost. Mm -hmm. Well, this JBS, JBS just on their own in the United States accounts for I think it's one quarter of all of our beef supply. Mm. Now, this is insane to me because we just had a, a huge hack, a ransomware uh, attack on that gas pipeline on the East Coast. Um, that's infrastructure, right? Um, our food supply. That's infrastructure. None of the things the Biden administration talks about <laughs> yeah. that's infrastructure <laughs> yeah. has anything to do with actual infrastructure. Right. They're very little. Mm -hmm. This is actual infrastructure, and we are getting hit. Our, infra our United States infrastructure is getting hit. What is next, really? These are just, okay, th these are this specific attack on JBS. Um, a uh, it's allegedly a Russian uh, hacking group, mm -hmm. again. Um, they, and that's very common, not and not associated with the Russian government. They don't think necessarily. They think it's a, a an outside criminal group, or at least that's what they're telling us. Officially, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Unofficially, and you talk in intelligence circles, they'll all pretty much agree and tell you that these the Russian government knows who all of these hacking groups are, right. and they shield all of them as well. Mm -hmm. Russian intelligence and the Russian government shields them. So basically, go play, just don't go play in your backyard. Um, so I have no doubt in my mind that... Is, sorry, is it encouraged by the Russian government, go out, get these companies, or is it you guys do what you do, you know, I don't know, share the money, share the, the, the intelligence with us, and there's an arrangement? How do, how do you see that? Yeah. I, I don't see it as, and of course, I don't know the specifics of this, I don't see it as an encouragement of, why don't you hit these things? I see it as encouragement in another way, as in go play, you're encouraged to go play, mm. just not around here. Now you got to think about what what they're actually saying. These are just kids in a basement somewhere in Moscow, right? This is not a nation state doing this. 
So if they can attack critical U.S. infrastructure, food, gas, what else can a nation state do? What power grid, water, um, pick, you know, the actual you know, important parts of our infrastructure in this country. They are vulnerable. And the Biden administration is doing nothing on this. No, hey, uh, these private, they, they did the excuse of, oh, it's a private com- uh, you know, company, just kind of fend for yourself. That's it. Oh, that was unbelievable. That's insane. Yeah. But we got to be careful, Stu, with that even as well, because it can, it's just a small little hair from how can, how can the administration help you? How can the intelligence, you know, then yeah. from, <laughs> okay, what do we need to nationalize? Right. Yeah. Because we, it's so critical. The government is here to help is usually not a good uh, thing. Uh, last one before we go. Uh, there is this idea um, that we are in this uh, in a cyber war where it increases increases and we have these private companies paying back ransom, which is obviously going to encourage more yeah. of these attacks. What are you supposed to do in this situation, though? I mean, if you're a private company and you can pay a couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, you're a gigantic meatpacking plant. Don't you just kind of you know, you have your insurance company pay it and you move on with your lives? Yeah, you're. There's no real option for them, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, in terms of the gas, it was either completely have the gases, gas shut off on the East Coast or pay the ransom. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing. Like, the only other option was to completely shut down, maybe come back on a month later when they rebuilt everything. It just wasn't. So I mean, nothing. There's it, nothing you can do. Nothing really. That's uh, why you need. The, maybe that's why you need the government or intelligence services or us doing the same thing to other states to d- dissuade them uh, f- from allowing it to occur. And oh, that is happening. There is a cold mm-hmm. war, and you think about it. There is no Geneva Convention, uh, you know, treaty or anything. Uh, there, it's as far as cyber war. Mm. It's all for nuclear weapons and other kind of weapons like napalm and stuff like that. Nothing for cyber weapons. So oh, right wow. now they're testing the waters to see what they can get done in this little time when they can play. That's going to go away. Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, the things that are happening right now would be considered an act of war in probably 10 years. That's why the only solution to this is the end of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. We just <laughs> all just move into a field and we act like we never had electricity. Jason Buttrell, uh, his new special with Glenn, uh, Golden State Gulag, California's Pursuit of Communism, uh, is a warning for America. You can go back and catch that on Glenn's YouTube page or watch it with your Blaze TV subscription. BlazeTV.com slash stew, the promo code stew. That's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll save 10 bucks and get access to all that stuff. Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So the Lakers could get knocked out of the playoffs today. I I know you might not care about the NBA because they are annoyingly woke, and that's true. But I do really want to see LeBron James lose. Uh, Last game, they got blown out by 30, and he couldn't even bother to be on the bench till the end of the game because he's a terrible human being. If you agree with me on that, and and you're kind of split, do I hate the LeBron that abandons his team, or do I hate the LeBron that abandons his country? Hmm, not sure which one. Either way, you should get this shirt. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. It's available now at don'tbealebron.com or all of our merchandise is available at stewdoesmerch.com. It's a great gift for those LeBron haters out there. Um, By the way, the FDA is going to update a little thing. We talked about this a while ago. Gave you some cicada recipes in case you wanted to eat cicadas because apparently the entire media says you're supposed to be doing that for some reason. Very strange. However, if you're allergic to seafood, you should not eat cicadas. I, I did not know. Um, uh, I did not know that. I will say I sat down. I, I think it was a cicada 
was nearby yapping its mouth. Holy crap, are those things loud? I had forgotten, you know, being up in the Northeast, this is part of life down here. I don't know. It's been a while. I mean, 17 years. They don't pop up for another 17 years. Um, they have to we have to say it. The FDA said in a tweet, don't eat cicadas if you're allergic to seafood, as these insects share a family relation to shrimp and lobsters. Another piece of advice I would give, don't eat cicadas. It's sad, though. I had all these plans for cicadas and all their delicious meals until I saw this article. I'm not allergic to seafood. I'm just trying to eat less of it, you know? I'm pretty sure I saw a documentary on Netflix or something. I have to go with uh, maybe some cricket custard.